We're turning to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, please. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. James Armstrong, who was the pastor of Faramah Baptist Church for 22 years, and whom I had the privilege of serving under him as a deacon, said to me on one occasion, he says, Bertie, if you get a new message and you're not sure of it, tie it out on a small crowd first. So I have a new message this morning, (laughs) and I have a small crowd, and I hope I'll do more than try it out, but uh, uh, the days that Jimmy said that, there was no media like there is today and uh, it'll end up it'll not be a small crowd that will hear it but I have no no say over that but nevertheless I believe it to be the word of God and we're doing some short readings from the gospels and I want you to uh, watch for the connection in them please and we're in Matthew's gospel chapter 26 and we're reading from the verse 14 then one of the twelve called Judas went on to the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. Turn over to the next chapter, 27 please, and verse 17. Therefore when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Turn over now, please, again to Mark 15 and verse 15. Mark 15 and verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. One more reading, please, from John 19. John's Gospel, chapter 19. And verse 12. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. We know that the Lord will bless the public reading of his word. If I were a detective this morning and assigned the task of finding out the perpetrators and the ringleaders the ones who instigated and planned 
and brutally tortured and crucified our Savior, I would go for three men. The top three men that were involved in this Godfathers of this wicked deed. With all the evidence of the four Gospels, without any doubt, I would be able to secure a conviction and a sentence. All the others around the cross and to do with it, uh, they assisted and they lied and they were only accessories to the fact. They're only the small men in the periphery of this great scene. In all investigations of criminality, one needs to discover the motive. Or as the criminal investigators call it, the modus operandi. Once you establish the motive for any crime, you're well on the way of opening up the whole facts. So we need to find the motives behind this cruel deed. You see, we can read over it and pass over it. But I'm bringing it to you in a different light this morning with an application I believe that's needed in these days. As the dawn would break over Jerusalem on a Saturday morning, I would be knocking on three doors. First of all, I would surround the Roman governor's residence, the Roman ambassador to the Jews, the procurator Pilate. Secondly, at the same time, I would send men to the palace of the religious high priest Caiaphas, who would be number two on my list. And thirdly, if he was still alive, I'd go to some street or some hamlet or some place and search out Judas Iscariot and bring him into custody. All three photos of these men would be displayed on the front page of the Jerusalem Post. Now, once I would have these three men in custody, I'd go about to establish their motives. And I would have no bother doing that because I have five credible witnesses. I have the statements of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Peter. And all these evidence and statements are irrebuttable and indisputable and indeed inspirational because... They're in the word of the living God. Pilate, the Roman Gentile, or the Roman Gentile governor's motive was twofold. And we read them this morning. It was to keep the peace. Mark in 15 and 15 says, for he wanted to content the people and he was willing to hand over Christ. He wanted to content the people. He wanted to keep the peace and he wanted to keep his position because John told us, if thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. And he knew he was out. He was fired. He was redundant. 
Secondly, Caiaphas, the high priest, the Jewish representative's motive was envy. Matthew said, he records the words of Pilate, said to Caiaphas, for envy thou hast delivered him up. I can tell you there's no worse jealousy and envy than comes from the religious system. And we'll deal with that, maybe not today. Thirdly, Judas, the representative of the church of God, his, his motive was greed. It was money. Wretched ambassador that he was, nevertheless, he was numbered with the twelve and he preached and prayed and cast out demons. Now listen. According to the Apostle Paul and Romans, the three kinds of people make up the world. The Gentiles, Pilate, Jews, Caiaphas, the church, Judas. And they all hated him without a cause. The whole world hated him without a cause. And you have here the world hating Christ, crucifying Christ with different motives. Now, if you want a title for my message this morning, you can entitle it Guilty Beyond All Doubt. Now, we'll not get much out of this message this morning if only we deal with the historical content of it. We must look at these men practically, personally, and spiritually. And we must put ourselves in the dock this morning We must put ourselves on trial this morning. We must put ourselves before the judge of all the earth this morning and ask the Lord to show me and you this morning what is our attitude? What is our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ today? Would I rather keep the peace and content others than to take a stand for him? Would I rather hold on to my position than surrendering and obeying to his will? Am I possessed with the envy and jealousy and greed? Is that our spirit? And do we crucify him all over, over again by holding those spirits? And we do. Now, sadly, we'll only have time this morning to interview one of these men, Pontius Pilate. Maybe next week we will deal with the other two. I don't know. But let's interview this Roman diplomat, the procurator, the great pilot. Let's interview him this morning and let's interview him. We need to interview these boys with facts. We need to face men with facts. There's no use in going into an interview room to a man like Pilate if you haven't your homework done. So we have to go in armed with facts. And we have to bring him the truth of what we have in the Word of God. And we have to confront him first of all, is it true that you wanted to content the people and keep the peace? I don't know how he would have answered that, but that's the charge against him. Just in case, as we pass on this morning, there's anybody here or anybody listening to me and you're not saved. 
Maybe you're like Pilate, you're on the horns of the dilemma. Maybe you're halting between two opinions. You know what you need to do, and you know the claims of Christ that you have decisions to make, and you've been there many a time, but you have never made the right decision. I wonder if someone listened to me this morning, and that's where you are, you're torn between two choices. You have an inner gut feeling in your heart and in your soul that what you're doing is wrong. And Pilate knew that. Three times he professed him to be innocent. Even his wife, his wife told him of nothing to do with this just man. You've maybe heard it from your wife and you maybe heard it from your husband. You maybe heard it from the preacher and you've heard it from your conscience. Oh, your conscience tells you that you need to make a decision for Christ or you'll perish. But the fear of man has gripped you. You want to content the world and content your friends, but you're not prepared to step out to Christ. Well, I say to you this morning in brunt terms, go on spitting on him. Go on, crucify him. Go on, delivering him up. And that was the key word, deliver him up. Go on, delivering him up. But there's a judgment day coming when you'll stand at the great white throne judgment. And you'll bow the knee then and you'll give an account and you'll be reminded of the days like this when you were challenged like Pilate. What about some of us believers this morning? You know for a long time that you need to step out on the side of Christ. I'm not talking about salvation. You profess to be saved. But you've been challenged many a time like Pilate with facts and truths and in your conscience and in your mind and in your heart and from the Word and from this pulpit and from other pulpits and from reading the Word, you know that there's things not right. You know that you grieve him. You know that you betray him. You know that you crucify him all over again, time and time again, and we all do. Maybe you're, maybe you're, dis, you're dishonoring the word, disobeying his commands, refusing to go into the water, neglecting the table, knowing in your heart that he demands and commands that. Knowing in your heart that you haven't the love that you should have. We all stand guilty there, my friend. Like Pilate, afraid of what people might think or people might say. Maybe swayed by family, swayed by friends. Keep the peace, don't rock the boat. Remember, we too have a judgment seat to face. Remember, we too will be held account. Pilate said, what shall I do then with Jesus? What shall I? That's personal. What are you going to do with these issues that you're confronted with when you read the Word and when you know the truth? What are you going to do? 
What shall I do? I, it's personal. Do, it's positive. Positive. What shall I do with Christ? It's pointed this morning. Pointed. What will you do with him? Get your eyes of everybody else. What will you do with him? Pilate's fear of the people was one reason that he's standing in the dock. Because he could have stopped the whole thing. The second second thing was his friendship to Caesar. And so I'm going to face it with Apostle John's statement. Is it true, Pilate, that if you let him go that you wouldn't be Caesar's friend and you bowed the and you've bowed to the calls of man. You see, he can't argue with this because these are truth. These are words of truth. Is it true that his position, his, his credibility, his future's prospects were all on the line and he knew it because there was a rift, according to historians, there was a rift at this time going on between Caesar and Pilate. And apparently Caesar was just looking at an excuse. And he knew that his job was on the line and, and his life was on the line and his family was on the line and everything else was on the line. But let me tell you, it was on the line anyway. A short while after that, Caesar demoted him. He exiled him. He died of suicide, plunging a knife into his heart. My friend, this new message, this message that burned into my soul in the early hours of the mornings has only one call this morning. You know, it's very easy in the summertime and it's very easy when you have bundles and bundles of message to hook about and get a wee message and pull it out and say it'll do the people. There'll only be a few there. We'll sing a few hymns and we'll go home. My friend, We can't ever, ever think of doing that. This day is important as any other day. This Sunday is important as any other Sunday. And when we lose the fire and lose the enthusiasm and lose the burden and lose the vision and lose the joy of hearing from God in the quiet place, then we may pack it up and go. There's only one thing that writes himself over This man, and I haven't time to say to deal with the other two, but there's only one thing writes itself over this man and indeed over this whole story of the three people. There's only one loud cry comes from the whole scene. It's total surrender and abandonment to the Lord. It's cutting the ropes, burning the bridges, and standing up for Jesus. No matter what people think, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter whether I went so long not doing something, I don't care what people think, I don't care what they say. I want to honor the Lord. I don't want to crucify him and hurt him and wound. And you do that when you're disobeying his command. I 
If we're going to come out totally on the side of Christ, let me tell you, it's not a matter of just coming in once a week. It's not a matter of doing a wee daily reading. If we're going to come totally out on the side of Christ, we need to forget keeping the peace, our positions, our pride. We need to die, and that's what the cross is all about. If any man come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Friends, if the Lord demands anything, he demands all. Oh, now that's very hard on a Sunday morning, a few of us have come out. Maybe so. But he demands all. It's not to do with the peace, and it's not to do with the pride, and it's not to do with the position, it's to do with pleasing God. Pleasing God. In case we would offend or grieve or quench the Holy Ghost. Martin Lloyd-Jones said on one occasion, a lack of enthusiasm in the church of Jesus is just the same thing as quenching the Holy Ghost. Tell me, are you enthusiastic this morning? Do you believe that God can save and move and deliver? And God, we can say amen. Do you believe it? Do you believe that this can be the best meeting that we ever had in Lightboat? Do you believe that you're here to hear it? Which throws the responsibility known as greatly back upon you again. You're on trial this morning. You're before the living God this morning, not before this preacher, for he's before God and I was before God in this message long before you. I heard a man of 80 one time in a prayer meeting saying, oh Lord, I surrender all, and I whispered to myself, you're 60 years too late. Isn't it strange that we'll do anything but surrender completely to the will of God? Pilate did. He says to them, he says, I'll flog him and I'll beat him and I'll trash him and I'll hammer him and I'll let him go. But they wouldn't, wouldn't agree to that. Then he says, I'll release unto him Barabbas. Let Barabbas go. I'll put him on the cross and let Jesus go. And then he washed his hands. You know, that's what they did the very same when John the Baptist came preaching. Herod, Herod, he did many things. He heard John gladly and he did many things. I often wondered what the many things that he did, but he didn't do the thing he was needed to do. He didn't repent. And we can do many things. And I want to be gracious to you this morning, but I want to be honest with the Lord this morning because when I walk up that lane, I am responsible to the Lord, not to you. Is it not like all of us 
I'll give to the church. I'll give to the Lord's work. I'll come. I'll do. But don't interfere with my goals. Don't interfere with my ambition. Don't interfere with my money, my home, my job. Oh, yes, we go round the periphery and we, ah, my friend, this is so true. But when we come right into the very heart of the gospel and into the very heart of full and complete and utter surrender of handing our life, our work, our money, our all, and putting all on the altar day after day and say, Lord, take my life. Take it, Lord. Take it, Lord. He may not. But he may. Are you prepared for that? I don't know any other gospel. I don't know how to preach the cross and the crucifixion of Christ any other way than this. Don't ask me, some people say, to come into conflict with my family. No, 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 that's what the gospel's all about. We come into conflict with whoever who comes into conflict with the gospel and complete and utter surrender unto the Lord. We come into conflict with them. And whether they like it or not, we must honor God and his word. If our mindset, my friend, is otherwise... We may forget about singing hymns like Take My Life and Let It Be. Or Thou art the potter and I am the clay. We're no more clay in the potter's hands. That's our mindset. I see a tremendous comparison between Pilate and many of God's people, including myself, in these days. Don't rock the boat. Say nothing. Keep your peace. Go with the crowd. And we'll do anything. But maybe what God's called us to do. Now what I'm going to say from now to close is very heavy upon my heart. And I had this message prepared this far when this news came. Can we really and honestly as God's people this morning wash our hands and allow 200,000 children to be slaughtered every year, for that's the number was slaughtered last year and murdered in Britain for abortion. And almost all of it funded by the taxpayers. Is it not our duty this morning to 
pray and to protect and to placard and to stand against this evil? Is this not grieving the heart of God day by day and his long suffering? And now they're going to extend it to any age. Doesn't care. We don't care. Do we go to church on Sunday? Do we go home Sunday night and let somebody else deal with it? Well, is this not the pilot scenario? Now listen, is it not pathetic that a Roman Catholic girl for, is it hope for life? Has the text on social media, the churches and believers, the website number of all the DUP men at Stormont and request them to lobby? Does that not put us to shame? Do we see how things are progressing? Do you see how quickly things are progressing? Do we stand by idly? Do we live in our comfortable homes and our big cars and our big times? Do we give the Lord a wee minute or two on Sunday morning as Lloyd-Jones says, call upon him on the way past? Or do we feel anything in our heart with the state of things? Friends, the state. Nationalist MP in the Labour Party from this province got a vote in the House of Commons on Tuesday and had a bill passed under the very nose of these men that are supposed to be spiritual men. And by the end of October, is it October, November, we're going to have abortion in this land, and that's only one thing. Things away now. And the next day, on Wednesday, they got it through the House of Lords, which takes months and even years to put things through. Does it concern us? Well, it concerns me. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said a hundred years ago. It's not men with guns and bombs that will destroy our nation, but men with suits and ties behind office desks. If ever the enemy has come in like a flood, he has come in like a flood and he has found the church asleep. Asleep. Orthodoxy, old, cold orthodoxy. And we'll gather in our thousands and we'll have the big Bible and we'll have our hats on and we'll have our skirts on and we'll have all the truth. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We'll have all the doctrine under the sun. But death. The Holy Spirit hasn't a look in. We're in dark and evil days. 
And this is not a political sermon this morning, but I am saying to those men up in Stormont from this pulpit this morning, and I hope my voice is heard, that that crowd of ten needs to pull away from that whole deal that they have and get on their knees and pray. Confidence and apply me. They need to call days of fasting and days of praying and days of weeping. And listen, we called one on Saturday morning, three comes. My friend, this thing is serious. You see, there's levels of prayer. Jesus talks about levels of prayer. Ask. We all ask. Seek. Many seek. Knock. And we go on be asking, we go on seeking, we go on knocking. And then well, what's the next stage? Fast. What's the next stage? Weep. What's the next stage? Mourn. But we're not even past the first level and we're 50 years saved something. Pilate delivered him up because of friends and fear. Caiaphas for jealousy. Judas for greed. But the Lord, God delivered him up for us all of love. There's a love in his heart. That he delivered his son to die on the cross. And the love of Christ, Paul says, constraineth me. It's the love. Oh, love. If only we could feel the heart of the Lord this morning over the slaughtering of these children. If only we could feel the heart of the Lord this morning over the state of our church. If only we could feel the heart of the Lord this morning and Solomon. My friend, we're tittering on the edge of an awesome judgment. Only we could feel the heart of the Lord. I've had a thousand lives this morning. I'd put them back on the altar again for the Lord. I do that every day. And I've had a thousand jobs or a thousand homes. Pat and I were down in Rossdale one day there, and we just lived, I lifted a wee, wee grain of sand, and I lifted just a wee grain of sand of that great Rossdale beach. I'd done this on my own. I just took a wee grain of sand. And I held it up, and, and, and the Lord said to me, that's, that's you, that's just you now. That's you. And what's more, that's just what's left of your life. Compared to the vast eternity of every grain of sand on this beach at Rosnail, and all the sands of all the seashores of the world that ever was, that's just you. That's you. Nothing. Nobody. Base, foolish, despised, weak. 
It's just you. And that's all we are this morning. And God has given us his Son in our hearts. Let us not rest or let us not settle. Oh, I can't do anything. We can, my friend, we can. Don't let us end up like Pilate. Don't let us end up the way he ended up. Give me the love that leads the way. A faith that nothing can dismay. A hope no disappointments tire. A passion that will burn like fire. Let me not sink to be a clod. Make me thy fuel, flame of God. You younger people in this meeting here, listen to me this morning. Give them all, give them all. Surrender everything. From subtle love of softening things. From easy choices, weakenings. Not thus our spirits fortified. Not this way went the crucified. From all that dims thy Calvary, Lord of God, deliver me. And when ye pit all this against this old Roman gibbet and this naked Savior hanging upon it, this is what I have done for you. What have you done for me? May God bless his word to our hearts this morning. Let us pray. Our Father, we just thank you this morning. Oh God, We're faced with these mighty truths from thy word. We tremble to think, Lord, that we're going to give an account one day. Father, I don't know about anybody else, but you know my heart this morning. You know my inconsistencies, my blunders, my failures, my faults this morning. You know my fears this morning. Oh God. Soften our hearts. Take, Lord, what has been from thee. Take take it, Lord, and bury it deep into the hearts of men and women this morning, far out, away from the reach of the enemy. And whatever has not been from thee that has come from self or flesh, eradicate it, Lord, from the mind of the people and from my mind. And Lord, for Lord, you know our hearts this morning. 
We're not concerned, Lord, about preaching to people or at people or wounding people or hurting people. We're just, Lord, confronted with your word. And like Pilate, we stand at the crossroads. Pilate, we search our hearts. Know what we're holding back from thee. Know what we're afraid of. Now, Father, I pray that you'll bless those that must go. And may the table and the wine and the bread be sweet to us. Thy people. On this day. For Christ's sake. Amen.